the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, where Jesus Christ is going to return. And what that means is that we should be living, expecting the return of Jesus Christ at any moment. And we should get busy fulfilling this great commission, this mandate, starting here in Los Angeles and then uh, California and then the United States and then finally uh, the entire world. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there a real God and where is he when I'm really suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every day on this program. In these challenging times, we believe that God's word is the source to all our answers. So if you can, get out your Bibles. And let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us today. Hello, hello, hello. I just want to say if you are a guest uh, at any of our church locations, Shepherd West Valley, Shepherd Porter Ranch, Shepherd West LA, Shepherd Aqua Dulce, I want to say to you, bonjour. I want to say, ni hao ma, priviet, hola. Komusta Kayo, Guten Tag, Bokertov, Marhaban, Ohio, Anyang Hoseo, and Howdy. Just want to say howdy to you folks. Now, as we've been preaching through the Bible in a chronological order, we've looked at three different phases. Phase number one was the nation of Israel, and we preached through the entire Old Testament. And then we came to phase number two, which is the life of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we had, uh, for a couple of months, we just talked about the life of Jesus and how he was the fulfillment of all of that Old Testament scripture, that Jesus came as the Messiah. And now we are in this book called the book of Acts which is the third phase, which is the phase of the church that started 2,000 years ago, and we are still living in phase number three. The book of Acts, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, is the first book after the resurrection. The former pastor of this great church, his name was Dr. Jess Moody, and Dr. Jess Moody gave me the best three-point outline of the book of Acts uh, that I've ever been given. There are three words. The words are up, down, and out. Jesus went up. That's Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2. And starting in Acts chapter 3 and the remainder of that book is the church going out. Jesus went up. The Holy Spirit came down and the church went out. 
Now I want you to take your Bibles uh, today and turn to Acts chapter 29. Acts chapter 29. It is the last chapter uh, in the book of Acts. You might notice that there are not 29 chapters in the book of Acts. There are only 28 chapters. Just go ahead and look at your Bible. There's only, there's only 28 chapters. And I'd like to suggest to you today that we are living today, we are living the 29th chapter. This very moment, we are in the church, and the story continues. Phase three continues. Only 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And I believe that we are living Acts chapter 29. The main character in the book of Acts was a man named Saul, who in Acts chapter 9 is converted on the road to Damascus. His name is changed from Saul to Paul, and the greatest persecutor of the church becomes the greatest promoter of the church. He goes on four missionary journeys. At the end of the third missionary journey, he's actually in the city of Jerusalem. He is arrested, and he goes from court to court, judge to judge, trial to trial, and eventually he is sent to Rome, the great city of Rome, to stand trial before the great Caesar. Now, if you look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 27, is where Paul sets sail for Rome. And then in chapter, the end of chapter 27, there's actually his ship that he's on is wrecked. There's, it's called a shipwreck. And at the start of chapter 28, they land on an island called Malta, M-A-L-T-A. And that's the beginning of chapter 28. But if you look at Acts chapter 28, look at verse 16. Paul finally arrives in Rome. And the Bible says in Acts 28, 16, that he was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Now we learn later in Philippians 1.13 and Philippians 4.22 that some of these guards that were posted to watch Paul, to guard Paul, some of them actually eventually become saved themselves, which is a good thing. And the reason, look at verse 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and they came in larger numbers to the place where he was staying. In other words, when he was under house arrest, people could come visit him. In verse 23, it says that there were a large number of people who actually came to visit the Apostle Paul. Very interesting, it says that from morning till evening, which means all day long, he, Paul, explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. So when Paul is in prison, in this house arrest, people come to visit him. Jewish leaders come to visit him. And it says that he, he goes from morning till night, all day long, from the time the sun comes up to the time the sun goes down, he tries to convince people, kind of what we've been talking about, he talks about the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament scriptures, and then he talks about how Jesus is the fulfillment of those Old Testament scriptures. Now look at verse 24. It's a great verse. It says that some of them were what? Some of them were actually convinced by, by what he said. 
And others, of course, would not believe. So even when he's in prison, people are coming to visit him. He's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bible makes it very clear that some of them are actually getting saved. Now look at verse 25. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave. Uh, In other words, when Paul preached, some people believed, but some people got upset and actually leave. That always happens when someone's preaching the gospel. It says that they disagreed. They began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said, uh, through Isaiah the prophet, these words, verse 26, go to this people and say, you will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. Verse 27, for this people's hearts has become calloused and they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Paul is saying that as they, as they got upset with what he was saying, trying to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah, they got upset and began to leave. He just says, you know, Isaiah was right what he said about you folks, that your hearts would be hardened, your hearts would be calloused. And then he says in verse 28, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the who? To the Gentiles, for they will listen. Now, if you're here today and you're not Jewish, I want you to raise your hand real high. If you're not Jewish, raise your hand. You are a Gentile. The very fact that you're here today in church is a fulfillment of this verse right here that says, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. We learned from Romans 1 verse 16 that the gospel first was for Jewish people. Everything about Christianity, Jesus, the Bible, uh, the new to everything was first and foremost, according to Romans 1 16, was for Jewish people. But their hearts were hardened. They were calloused. They didn't want to hear it. And so Paul says, all right, we will now take the gospel to the Gentiles, for they will listen. And indeed, that's exactly what has happened. Now, here we go, the last two verses of the book of Acts. Look at verse 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He welcomed all who came to see him. Verse 31, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the book of Acts, it just kind of ends. It seems kind of strange. I'm reading through this incredible book with all these incredible stories, and all of a sudden I get to verse 30 and 31. It just kind of ends. It's like, where's the great finale? Well, there's several possibilities. Possibility number one is that Luke, who is writing this, Uh, is planning to write a third volume. Luke wrote the book of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And when you read this, it's like, well, he must have been getting ready to write a third volume, and he never gets around to it. And part of the reason some people believe that it never took place was because he was martyred. Now, the Bible does not tell us exactly how Luke died, but there are many scholars who believe that Luke probably died of persecution by Nero in 68 AD. Another reason why the book just kind of ends 
is that it could be it's just the providence of God, that there is no formal conclusion. But there is another possibility, that the reason there is no formal conclusion is because, I want you to write this down, this is point number one, is that God intended for us to write the next chapter. I believe that that's exactly why it kind of ends the way it does, is because we are living Acts chapter 29. Maybe every year has been another chapter. Maybe every day is another chapter. But I believe that Luke did not want to give the impression, the closing of an age, but the continuing of an age. And now it's up to you and to me to write the next chapter in the book of Acts. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that we are writing the next chapter of the book of Acts. The second thing I want you to write this down is that missions are mandated. Missions are mandated. This era, this phase number three, the church, you read earlier that it was the intent, that God's intent was that through the church that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. I believe that the reason why we're here, the reason why this church exists, is to take the gospel to those who've never heard the gospel. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's the marching orders. The Bible says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in what city? In Jerusalem, and then in all Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the what? The earth. So the church begins in this city called Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is the city of Los Angeles. That's where God has planted this church. That is our epicenter. And, and then I want you to write our Judea would be California. Our Samaria would be the, the what? The United States of America. And what is our end game? What is our goal? Is that from this church, it's possible, from this church that we would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. When you walked into this church today, I want you to know that you walked into an amazing church. You walked into an amazing church. I want you to write this down. The last five years, we went back and, and told, uh, added it all up. This church has baptized in the last five years 3,430 people. That's all of our campuses working together here in the city of Los Angeles. And I'm so excited about that. I'm so thankful for that. Now, I also want you to write this number down. In the last five years, we have given $5,236,000 to worldwide missions. That's the people in this church working together and taking our resources, and we have literally given over $5 million away. You see, we've baptized over 3,000 people here in those five years, but we've given resources to take the gospel around the world. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I, I just get excited when I think about that. I, I also want you to know that in this church, that this church is not made up of superstars. There are no superstars here. This church is made up of faithful people who work, who serve, who give, 
who volunteer diligently, who take seriously the mission that was mandated back there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And even though that mission, that mandate was given over 2,000 years ago, there are those still here today who desire to fulfill those marching orders to take the gospel to the entire world before Jesus Christ returns. This church, this service, this one hour that we're here right now in church is possible because of all the volunteers, the ushers, and the greeters, and the people who prepared the communion, and the people who put uh, the, the, uh, the bulletins together, and the people who are volunteering in the nursery, and the janitors, and those who are involved in the setup crew. It's because all of those people believe that this one hour is the most important hour of the week. If you attend faithfully at any of our locations, and you participate, and you bring your Bible, and you study, and you serve, and you give, I believe that God will transform your life, and you will become a part of a church that's truly making a difference around the world. Amen and amen. Number three, write this down. Unity is essential. Unity is essential. From day number one, way back there in Acts chapter one, from day number one till today, for 2,000 years, one of the most important elements of church is its unity. There's a theme that runs through most of Paul's letters that he always writes and address. He always is addressing church unity. I want to read one of those examples, what he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. Pay attention to these words. He says, make every effort. Now, he's talking about unity, and, and he's saying it's not easy. It, it, takes some, it takes some effort. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get to work. And, and, and it takes effort, he says, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he says there's only one body, and there's only one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. And then he says in Ephesians 4, 5, there is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I, I want you to understand and write this down in your notes. There's only one church. And we have so many different names and titles and there's divisions and disunity our achilles hill is disunity and we have to make every effort to keep the unity that god desires for us to have the longest prayer that jesus prayed was in john chapter 17. He said, jesus is going to pray and he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays it's the longest prayer that he prays and in John chapter 17, verse 21, what is he praying for? He's praying for unity of the church. The church was born in unity, and the church thrives in unity. Jesus was the one who said that a house divided cannot stand. And Satan likes to come into our world and get us to argue and fight over so many things. And I just want you to know that this church, the one you're sitting in right now, this church was a union of two churches, a church called Shepherd of the Hills and a Christian church called Hillcrest Christian Church, two churches who merged together 
And as soon as they merged together, the church just took off, and we've been growing ever since. And I believe that one of the reasons why God has blessed Shepherd of the Hills Church is because instead of two churches dividing, it was two churches uniting. It's why God has blessed us, and we are here uh, as an example for the rest of the world on what God desires church to be. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in purpose. And all God's people said, amen. As we prepare to close, I want you to write this down. Hope is the watchword. Hope is the watchword. There is coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, where Jesus Christ is going to return. I want you to look, go back to Acts 1 and look at verse 8. I want to look at that verse again. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus speaking those words to the disciples. But look at verse 9. After he had said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. So Jesus gives them the marching orders, and then he begins what we call the ascension. He's taken up before their very eyes. Verse 10 says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when all of a sudden there were two men dressed in white stood beside them, a couple of angels. And he says in verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? He said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And what the angels are saying is stop standing around looking up into the heavens. You need to understand that one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return. And, and when he returns, it's not, he's going to come back just the way you saw him. He's going to come, he's going to come riding in those clouds He is going to return. And what that means is that from that moment until today, we should be living, expecting the return of Jesus Christ at any moment. And we should get busy fulfilling this great commission, this mandate, starting here in Los Angeles, and then uh, California, and then the United States, and then finally uh, the entire world. I love Michael North when he leads our worship because he always says this word. Write this down at greeting. He says the word Maranatha. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash 
and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hi, this is Pastor Dudley, and I want to invite you to Shepherd Church for our annual 4th of July Spectacular. We'll have fireworks starting at 9 o'clock p.m. Bring family and friends and enjoy an evening of fireworks and fun. Visit shepherdchurch.com to learn more about our 4th of July celebration. Can't wait to see you at our annual 4th of July Spectacular. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.